Hello and welcome to another episode of The Extras. Lachlan here again this week, back with Sam. Hi everybody, good to be with you again. Sam, we missed you last week. We had a great time with Susan. I'm sure you did. her in some more. Yeah, she's uh, great. Um, she is. Yeah, thanks for giving me a week. I had a big conference, uh, a ministry conference over the weekend. And uh, so, yeah, my timeline was pretty pushed last week. So thanks for looking after Do you want to tell us about the conference? We can branch out and chat about yeah. some other things. It's the extras. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me give you some extra on this. Um, we had a fantastic weekend, actually. We had just under 50 people, I think 48 uh, in total, plus mm-hmm. a few of the staff around for the weekend. Um with the challenge just to think together about how do we use um, our lives well in the service of God. So we had some people there who were thinking hard about um, the possibility of considering an MTS apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some who were there considering the possibility of um, as they approach retirement or as they perhaps um, some of their kids grow up and they've, they've got freedom as to where they um, redeploy their time. Or just other people who, wherever they're up to in their own life, are thinking, how could I perhaps reorganize my life such that I can provide more capacity to serve the Lord and to serve the gospel. And um, we had a fantastic time thinking that through together. Mm. We had a guest speaker up from Adelaide, a guy by the name of Jack Hamer, uh, who came and preached to us uh, from the book of 2 Timothy, which was really great. And uh, we had some good discussion time and just created a bit of space for those um, 45 or so people to uh, just talk and encourage, talk with and encourage each other about how to serve well and uh, I kind of came home Saturday night just profoundly encouraged by mm. that. So it was a really good couple of days. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And there were Krispy Kremes as well, just, you know, we added on top. Look, you come to the ministry events, <laughs> you get the good food, right? Yeah. The worker deserves their wages, I think. We try to oh, feed our nice. people well. We don't we don't muzzle nice. them while they're treading out the grain. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, Sam, let's get into Ezekiel 7 this week. We both spent the past Sunday speaking from this chapter yes it's kind of an interesting progression in the book of ezekiel i I found that chapter seven picks up the stuff we've already seen in one to six but yeah puts in a slightly more poetic yeah that's right yeah we're out of the prose and into the poetry chapter seven yep the first question that's come in a fairly simple one so let me try to uh just this will be helpful to reiterate some of the passage someone's asked what is jerusalem's conduct so jerusalem here is the city that's coming under god's judgment yeah. And he's saying throughout this that it will be according to their deeds, according to their conduct. Yeah. So that gets repeated, verse 3 and 4, yep. verse 8 and 9, verse yep. 27 again. Yeah. Uh, and the chapter gives some examples of it. Mm. But I, I found in preparation that chapter 22 really gave me the biggest, clearest picture of the conduct of mm. Jerusalem. Yeah. And you have every level of society rebelling against God and therefore mistreating other people. Mm. And so the leaders are corrupt, they're taking bribes, they're not giving people justice, the poor, the foreigner, the widow, they're getting trodden down into the dust. Even they're getting killed, so sometimes that's murder. And we do know stories of that happening within Israelite life. There's the mm. famous one of one of the kings that sees a vineyard that he wants, yep. so he goes and kills the guy mm-hmm. to take the vineyard. Yeah, That's the kind of level of corruption that we're talking. Yeah, But sometimes it might not be direct murder, yep. but they might just, you know, add the taxes, go oppress and hurt and beat them up and mm. just make their life so miserable that they end up dying without food. Yeah, And so people are dying, the land's full of bloodshed, the prophets are saying, yeah, this is fine. Mm. Uh, the priests, they're not doing anything either, they're just saying, yeah, you the Lord's word, you can do what you like. Yeah. 
Yeah. So every level of society has become yeah. corrupt in that way. Yeah. I found verse 10 quite helpful as well, um, just for getting the sense of it. There's, it's a poetic image in mm. verse 10, um, but there's this idea, doom has burst forth, the rod has budded, which could be another, it could be the branch, like a, like think of a tree flowering mm. or something mm. like that on the branch. Um, but what's what's kind of blossoming is, is arrogance. Mm. Um, so I think underneath all of this behavior is this arrogant defiance of God, which which is really just sin at its heart, isn't it? It's It's this... On every front of life, um, God's people who should be worshiping and honoring God with their life and living in living in obedience to Him have arrogantly thrown Him off at every point. Mm. Um, and there's this sort of bold-faced rejection of God, um, both from their like their idolatry, uh, but right through to their behaviour, they've they've arrogantly defied God, and it's mm. it's in every every aspect of their life is mm. has become. Um, corrupt and, and uh, detestable to the mm. Lord. So, yeah, I, I, that's a, a poetic image in mm. verse 10. Um, normally flowers are beautiful things, um, but this is the... the <laughs> oh, there uh, are some ugly ones. The flowering of an arrogant rebellion against yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Keep the short, sharp questions coming. Love it. Really helpful for us. <laughs> yep, yep. Second one, also in that category. Sam, can you clarify, is Israel's enemy... Assyria or Babylon here in Ezekiel 7? Yep. Uh, in Ezekiel, I think it's uh, all about the nation of Babylon that is that is going to come. Now, Assyria are one of God, one of Israel's enemies, but just earlier in, mm. in their history. So rewind 200 or so years, um, and you're talking about the prophet um, Isaiah and others of that kind of time. And the northern kingdom were taken out by mm. the nation of Assyria, and that happened in about 722 B.C., um, but now it's about 150 years, isn't it? 130 years yep. down the track, somewhere yep. there. Um, now Assyria have actually kind of waned a little bit as a as a superpower of the day, and Babylon are the upcoming kind of uh, nation that are, um, and, and they are the ones that God are going to use. To, that God is going to use in order to bring His judgment. So mm. Babylon is out is the issue here. Mm. Yeah. And if you're a female listener and you're getting along to equip this weekend, then you'll hear about the next uh, kind of kingdom that mm. took over from Babylon as well. Yeah. So get along and keep learning that history. It's yep. helpful. Let me let me ask you one, mate. Um, sure. So um, uh, in light of the New Testament, uh, someone's texted in, um, Ezekiel, can se- Ezekiel 7 shows uh, some hope, um, but before the New Testament, could people actually take any hope out of this? Like... Um, mm. looking ahead it feels like a pretty hopeless thing like the the whole chapter is doom 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 yeah. the day has come it's all over there's no chance of repenting yeah. um, is there hope here without the New Testament look I think if you're limited to chapter 7 of Ezekiel mm. there, no there's no real sign of hope I don't think mm. the language is stark the end has come it's yep. not turning away God says in verse Four, I won't look on you with pity or spare you. Says it again in verse nine, I won't look on you with pity or spare you. Mm. If you're just in chapter seven, yeah. I don't think there's any hope. Yeah. But within the progression of the book of Ezekiel, yeah. you know, we see and we have seen that there is a glimmer of hope. It's only been a glimmer so far. Yep. It will start to grow in mm. brightness a little bit mm-hmm. in the coming chapters. Yep. Because uh, there is some hope that not everyone in the city of Jerusalem, or not all of those who are descended from Israel, mm. will die. Mm. God's not going to wipe out this nation, like He's done with some other nations. There are some nations in the Bible whose name is completely wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah, and we don't see them around the earth today. No, that's right. But that's not what God's going to do for Israel. There's a glimmer of hope. Some will be spared. Mm. We're going to see some of that in the next 
couple of weeks as we go in for chapter 8 to 11. Yep. Uh, there are some that are marked out to kind of be spared from this judgment. Yep. Uh, we've seen that already in chapter 6. Uh, I can't, was it in any earlier chapters as well? Um, oh, the hairs in chapter the hairs 5. The in chapter There's 5. a few that get tucked away in the belt. That's right. Yeah, so there are glimmers of hope, but yeah. not in chapter 7. Chapter 7 has just kind of focused on the I think that's very challenge. helpful. Um, I wonder if it's also worth saying part of the hope that um, starts to emerge. And I don't want to say too much here because, you know, it will spoil the next couple of weeks. But um, it's not just survival. Um, God, there's certainly some will survive. Um, but there's also, you start to see God's purpose in purification. Mm. That actually God, those that God spares, he will actually refine and renew such that they will no longer have these um, wicked practices, yeah. this budding arrogance that um, the nation of Israel is currently beset by. And so... I think there's there's not just the sparing of life as hope, but also the um, the renewal of heart and the, the changing from the inside out that God promises um, here. Um, that is the glimmer of hope. But again, not not really in chapter seven. Mm. Chapter seven is a bleak chapter, mm. um, and um, you know this is part of the nature of us kind of working our way systematically through a book. It takes a bit of time mm. to get there. Um, but again, helps us to see the importance of reading a, a book as a whole and seeing where's where's this book mm. taking me. What's mm. what's the movement that it's sort mm. of the journey it's taking me on? Yeah, nice. Uh, the next question stays on this theme for remnant. I'll mm. read it out in full. It's a slightly longer question. Yep. God's judgment is on the nation except for a remnant. To relate the lesson of God's punishment more clearly to our world, should we see the doomed nation as also having people of faith in their midst? They're going to suffer the punishment brought on, brought on the collective nation of Israel. Mm. That is, not everyone in the city is bad, but they'll all be subject to the same punishment. Is that yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. Um, thanks for texting this in. Um, we've sort of been dealing with the remnant um, uh, a couple of, over a couple of episodes and on the extras. Uh, we're going to talk about them again uh, this coming Sunday mm. as well. So um, there's there's more to say here. So thanks for asking a question on it. Um um, worth just defining the word remnant, just in case that's not um, sure. a, yeah. a word you're familiar with. The idea is a remnant. It's kind of the leftovers is, is, is a sort of short, uh, short definition of that. Those who are going to survive, those who will not be destroyed in the, in the coming wrath. And Ezekiel does hint at the, uh, at the presence of a remnant um, who will somehow, by God's grace, survive this onslaught at, at the hands of ba- the Babylonian army. Now, they still do remainders in division in primary? You've been close I've, to I've actually, now. yeah, they, we 100% do. It's like a remainder left over yeah. that you might express as a fraction. Um, that's what comes to mind <laughs> for me. I mean. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, we, sorry, you just lost my track. I was, I was sorry, Sam. Sorry, Sam. I'm going to stay on, <laughs> stay on Ezekiel. Um, now, the question here, though, is, so on what basis... Is someone spared? Now, in uh, the Bible uses the word remnant at, at a few different periods. Um, there are earlier remnants as well um, uh, because there are earlier moments where God's judgment comes. Mm. Um, and certainly, uh, you think back to the time uh, of um, when you've got um, the prophet Elijah on uh, deal, facing off against the false prophets mm. um, on, on Mount Carmel and um, Elijah feels like he's the only righteous one and God tells him, no, no, there's a there's a broader righteous remnant, others who have not bowed the knee in idolatry. And at that point, the language of remnant is, is talking about a righteous remnant, people who have remained faithful to God mm. and that their 
God shares the news of their existence with his prophet to encourage him that he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often we kind of build into our thinking that the righteous, that the remnant are by definition those who are righteous. The language of Ezekiel so far hasn't really had that thread to it, I don't think. Um, now, I'll put a caveat on that in that I think there's a question mark around the chapter we're going to look at mm. this coming week. Mm. But so far in the book of Ezekiel, um, there's not a sense that, hey, there's the goodies and God's going to look after them and they're, not, they're going to survive on the basis of their righteousness. And then there's all the baddies um, that God's going to come and bring the sword and destroy it. Yeah. It's not been set up in that way. The, the picture of Ezekiel is the whole nation is hopeless. Mm. Um, they're all wicked um, and they all deserve it. But God is going to spare people not because of their own deeds or anything in them, but actually for the sake of his name. Mm. And that's going to be the picture that's going to come out. Um, When we fast forward quite a way to Ezekiel 36, God actually says that explicitly. He says it's actually not to do with anything in you, Israel, not not because of you that I'm saving you, but purely because of my name, because I made a promise that I'd save Israel and I've got to hang on to some of you, otherwise I'd be breaking my promise, Mm. Mm. Um, which is a really humbling thought because we, I think, sometimes like to think, those who get spared, they must be the goodies. And they're those who've, who've really been quite righteous and God rightly spares them because mm. they're quite righteous. Mm. But actually, um, what's going on through the book is everyone's gone corrupt and everyone deserves it. And as such, collectively, the whole nation is punished. Uh, but by grace, uh, purely through the mercy of God, some are spared. Mm. Um, now, I said there's a little caveat on that in that there's a little hint in um, this week's coming passage, and I'll save it till Sunday to say much more, but there's a, there's a little hint that those who are spared do seem to mourn and grieve over the idolatry, which I don't think necessarily makes them um, inherently righteous, but that, that's the comment. There's that's some made. reaction There's, there. there's yeah. something in there. Yeah. So um, more to say on Sunday, I suspect, but I don't know. Do you want to throw anything on that, Lachlan? Well, no, I just want to pick up that from this question, right? It's coming from someone who was trying to relate this more clearly to our world. Mm. And so there's a good chance to clarify that what you've just laid out for the people in Ezekiel's day yes. is the case for us yeah. with Jesus as well. Yeah. You know, it, it's not the case that Christians are those who are good Mm. compared to those who are bad in the world. And so Christians will miss out on the judgment because we're we're not bad people. Yeah, that's right. And the New Testament makes that quite clear. A couple of weeks ago, I can't remember which week it was in, I went to Titus chapter 3 that describes this Mm. very clearly. It's when the kindness of God our Saviour and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, Mm. but according to his mercy. Yeah through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's not works of righteousness that we've done. No, that's, that's not right. what... It's God's mercy. We yeah. deserve the punishment, but he spares us. Yeah. Perhaps the, the, the tricky bit is that, that we now, as Christians, now we have been saved and now we live as the remnant for a season until that mm. final judgment mm. day, um, which is perhaps a little um, kind of... I don't know. It's difficult to be perfectly analogous to every point of um, yeah. Israel's story in the run up to, um, uh, to to the judgment coming. But yeah, so so in, if you were to apply the remnant language to Christians, um, we were not elected to be part of the remnant because of our righteousness. But now that we are part of the remnant, we want to be righteous. Yes. Um, I'm not sure that there's the same analog, the same. You can, you can map that exactly onto Israel's experience in, mm. um, in the Book of Ezekiel, so it gets a bit tricky there. Mm. Anyway, look, let's let's use that as a launching pad. Into I'm going to skip a question here, Sam. From what we right. come down to the one because you've just picked up on this. Is there a link between Ezekiel seven and the kingdom of Jesus? Yeah, Mark one verse fifteen. When Jesus turns up, he says, "The time has come," or "The time has been fulfilled." Yeah, so I feel like you're touching on that. 
yep. what you were saying there about this age that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting. Um, great pickup on the the time. You know, um, time language is is really really important. It's a big feature of Ezekiel seven. Um, times up, times up, times mm. up. There's no mm. way out. And it's interesting. Um, when Jesus arrives, he introduces his ministry with a similar kind of phrase. The mm. time has come. You know, here we are. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's very much, um, very uh, kind of of the moment. Um, the but theologically, how we think about that is that kind of the kingdom of God came in the, at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. He says as much. You know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Here it is. Um, and yet, the kingdom of God is still coming. It's kind of it's a now and not yet kingdom. It has been inaugurated. It's it's uh, come. It's um, Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's won the victory. Uh, and yet. The battle still rages on until the final day, and we live in what the theologians call the overlap of the ages, where um, it's kind of happened, but it hasn't happened mm. yet. And that's mm. a that's a weird kind of idea. If you've never heard this idea before, you're probably thinking, "What the what on earth is you know is Sam talking about?" Um, There's good diagrams if you Google overlap of the ages. I almost had one in the sermon on Sunday, but there you, know. you go. Yeah. Um, now, there's some great stuff um, to read on this stuff, like you can get amongst um, Vaughan Roberts' uh, God's Big Picture will help mm. you to start thinking about these things. Uh, if you want to be stretched and push a little bit harder, you can look at some of the stuff by Graham Goldsworthy in the Goldsworthy Trilogy that will help you to think through um, the nature of the kingdom of God in light of the sort of sweep of salvation history. Um, and so that's a little bit different to... Um, well, maybe it's not... Um, in, in Ezekiel, he's saying the time has come, but he's actually talking about a, a, an event that's still maybe th- four or five, five years, years off yeah. in the future yeah. at this point. Um, but it's as good as done, you know, if that makes mm. sense. Um, mm. Seems to be the language that Ezekiel's saying. Um, there's, there's no way out of it now. It's happening. Um, and that's kind of like the kingdom of God. It's as good as done. Um, it's it, The victory's been won. Everything's happened, but we're still waiting out the timeline for it to kind of come about. And so... Um, yeah, that that's so. Perhaps there is some some uh, overlap there in terms of the way that Ezekiel and um, the kingdom of, of Jesus happen. Um, the big difference is that in in the kingdom of Jesus, um, the punishment has has already been poured out on Jesus, um, yeah. such that if you put your trust in him, you you can actually avoid that that uh, uh, awful punishment of of God's judgment on that final day, um, which is perhaps different to Ezekiel, which is prophesying that it will happen but it hasn't happened yet if that makes sense yeah the the language that i think might be helpful here as well in addition to all that the language of the day of the lord i don't know if you brought that language up in chapter seven of Ezekiel. it it doesn't actually appear there but lots of people make the links with other old Mm. testament passages so Mm. zephaniah talks about the day of the lord and lots of his language comes up here in ezekiel six yeah amos eight also the day of the lord yeah the new testament takes all of that prophetic imagery of the day of the lord and says well, there has been a day of the Lord mm. and there's still one to come. Yeah. That is when Jesus died, that was the day of the Lord. Yeah. God's punishment, God's anger poured mm. out yep. on Jesus. Yep. But it's this big surprise that that wasn't the end of everything. Mm. There's, there's still, still another day of the Lord to come as well. Yeah, which is 2 Peter 3 that will yeah. say the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Yeah. So we, I don't think uh, leading up to Jesus, we would have expected this from the prophets mm. of the Old Testament. It all sounds like there's going to be this one day. Yeah. And yet, with Jesus, there's this surprising extension to go, okay, the day has started, mm. 
the day will finish and now we're in these last days in between. Yeah. God is being patient. My old minister used to talk about this time as the pause before the drop. You might have heard him use this illustration, Andrew Heard, up on the coast. Yeah. You know, when you're demolishing a building and you yeah. put all the explosives down the bottom to blow out the foundations. Yeah. You ever watch a video of that, the explosion yeah. goes off and then it just kind of hangs for a second yeah. before everything else comes crashing down. Yeah. Jesus' death is that explosion that goes, oof, yeah. it's happened. And it's everything's coming. now hanging and then waiting to drop. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we're in these last days in between. Uh, God's judgment has come on Jesus. It will come in that mm. final day when Jesus returns. Now's the time of salvation where we can turn mm. and be saved. It's a great illustration. I'm going to steal that. Oh, it's, yeah. It's shaped my life. That's so old. good. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yep. All, all right, right. We've got a couple more questions. Yeah, give me a number. Then. What should I ask you? I'm, I'm all out of order now. So We're up what, to six. What, all right. Let me ask you number six. Um, if we are to be patient in the injustice, oh yeah, this is great. Um, in the injustice of being underpaid, you were talking about this uh, and, and mm. in your sermon, Lachlan, so... Lachlan made this great sort of insight from the book of James about um, paying fair wages and just all tied up with not putting our hope in wealth and mm. some really practical applications out of that. Um, so if, if we're to be patient as those perhaps being underpaid, should we be advocating for reducing the wage gap or for people in positions that are being underpaid or, uh, or their payment does not equate to what they do? Mm. Um, are we to be kind of change makers, um, protesters, advocators? W what are we to do here? Look, I love that someone's thinking about this because I think Christians ought to be thinking in these spaces. Uh, we ought to have real concerns for the practicalities of everyday life and for injustice in the world. Mm. Uh, so this is a really great question to ponder. It was James 5 that we were in where there are some rich people that James speaks to and says, look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out. Mm. That is similar to in Ezekiel. People were getting themselves rich yep. while making others poor. Uh, they weren't paying people what they deserved. And, and James says that's continued. And hey, it has still continued today for sure. Mm. We see that. Uh, we see that around the world. In Australia, yes. And perhaps more and more so in Australia. Mm. I think it's interesting. When we talk about underpayment in Australia, there's been the scandals in the news, people not getting the overtime, whatever. Yep. Yep. It's not necessarily often that that's to the extent that people are missing out on food and clothing and shelter. Sure. Yeah. So I want to make sure that there is a distinction here between mm. the justice of being paid according to a contract. Yep. That That's a good thing. And yep. we want to preserve that. Totally. Uh, it's wrong that people don't stay to their word in contracts. Yep. I think that might be slightly different to what James is picking up, that people aren't getting paid at all mm. or they're not getting paid enough to be able to live. Yeah. Yep. Now that is happening in some quarters in Australia. Uh, we're setting up systems where people have to try to find two, three, four, five jobs when with a rental market, a housing market that's crazy. So as that keeps happening, yeah, it's a valid question to be looking at here. Mm. Um, one of the places that has helped me think through this one is 1 Corinthians 7 uh, and the language of slavery throughout the New Testament, uh, which was you know, still a feature of the work context and culture of the New Testament. Not not the slavery of America that we picture was kind of a more established, formalized system. Mm. Uh, but it's still something that people, you know, wasn't the ideal. Mm. So in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul's talking about the different circumstances you might have been in when you were saved, when you became a Christian. One of those, he says, verse 21, were you called while a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called as a freeman is Christ's slave. Mm. You're bought at a price. Don't become slaves of people. 
Mm-hmm. So there's some of Paul's words as the apostle of God mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. slaves saying, look, your situation's not great. If you can get out of it, do it. Change it if you can. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. be patient and wait for the Lord and know that the Lord doesn't see you as lesser than. The Lord does see your situation. He mm. will look out for you, look after you. Mm. Now, it's that if you have an opportunity there, um, Paul says, take it. Uh, and I think then of his letter to Philemon. Is it to Philemon or I think it's a, uh, yeah, it's two Philemon about, about Onesimus. Slave Onesimus. Yeah. 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 And so there's an example of Paul advocating for someone's freedom for a slave who, you know, has mm. run away mm. and escaped. And he puts a bit of theological pressure on uh, Philemon. He's like, you know, don't forget, um, Philemon, you, I did convert you and you kind of owe me your life. So really, I, you should do what I say here. Like, there's a fair yeah. bit of uh, pressure exerted to free the slave. Yeah. 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 So there's an example of Paul doing this. And, and that's why I take it Christians, you know, William Wilberforce, the whole movement to mm. abolish slavery mm. was led by Christians mm. advocating for others. Mm. And that's where I would take, I don't know if you would agree with me on this one, Sam. I, I found others don't generally <laughs> necessarily on this. Uh, I would say in these kind of situations, you as the person who's being underpaid, mm. you know, uh, Say something if you have a chance, but with gentleness and not trying to force it. Mm. Um, but others on the outside do the advocating. Mm. Uh, now, in Australia, we have different settings and situations, and you might be able to get out of that situation and put yourself in a better... You know, you're not a slave. You can find a different job. Perhaps mm. that might be difficult. And so you might not feel like you have a choice. I think God's instruction there is to wait on Him for your help. Uh, and, you know, as He instructs... Slaves and other passages of the New Testament work hard, work mm. to please the Lord. Mm. The Lord is your master there. Yep. But for those outside as Christians, hey, we should be advocating. We should be trying to set up justice. Mm. Mm. And I think that does extend probably more outside of Australia at the moment. I think that's right. Like, not again, not to minimise some of the difficulties that no doubt people feel in Australia, but, you know, it's a very different story to, you know, you hear the stories that come out of some of the big factories in China where people are sort mm. of forced to work against their will and they mm. put nets mm. around the lower floors of the the buildings because they know that the factory workers try to jump out the windows to kill themselves because that's mm. the only way out, mm. you know, and they make sure they catch them in a net so they can stick them back to work. You know, that's that's a story of oppression and that's a story of wages being withheld and rights being withheld. Not, again, not to undermine our own difficulties, but, you know, I think we, we have so much to give thanks to God for, for the nature of how our political system has been set up such mm. that we really do have very, very good working rights here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, I haven't read up on these guys in a while. Is international justice mission still flying around? When I was at uni, I had friends who were getting involved with that, training as lawyers to work in that kind of space. So their yeah. their mandate or their remit was to try to work with countries mm. to set up the law in a way that gives people some rights for yeah. work. Yeah, I, I assume they're still around. I, like could, I, said, I don't I know, I have to admit. Yeah, I can't tell you. Uh, I had a good friend through uni who was pursuing law for that kind of direction, which I thought was a great thing as a Christian to yeah. get involved with. Yeah, um, in, in Australia, you know, the wage gap between male and female, I think that might be what's being referred to there, people being underpaid, still significant issues, maybe not from the same argument as James 5, but mm. I think you can still make arguments in other ways to yep. advocate sure. for that stuff. Yep. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. Last question, Sam. Great. Uh, you talked about Deuteronomy. Yeah, on I did. Yeah. Sunday. Yep. And Israel's forgetfulness. Mm. Uh, someone's picked up on that. Uh, I don't know exactly the language you used on Sunday, but they've asked what routine is helpful to overcome spiritual forgetfulness. Yeah. Um, mm. Thanks for asking. Um, 
yeah, I went to Deuteronomy just in the context of actually God warned them um, before, um, in fact, at the founding of their nation that, that, that the danger would be that they would become proud and they would become arrogant and they would forget the Lord and they would turn away from him in wickedness. Mm. Um, and they needed to be careful that they would not do that. Uh, lest they find themselves under their, under the, the Lord's judgment, which is exactly where they've now found themselves mm, um, mm. in Ezekiel chapter 7. Um, and so none of Ezekiel 7 came out of the blue. It's not just God yeah, yeah, you know, blowing yeah. off some steam because yeah. he's cranky. It's because he actually said 800 years before, <laughs> don't forget me or else. Um, and so, yeah, there's a challenge for us, I think, in terms of um, uh, making sure that we don't forget the Lord, that we um, remember his blessings and we do not, certainly with wealth, uh, think that by the power of our own hand have we somehow, you know, um, made it for ourselves. Anything we have is, is a gift from the Lord. So um, I think um, for, for the Christian, um, for, for, the, for the Israelite, um, it's particularly in the context of the wealth that they inha- inherit because so much of the, the covenantal blessing of God was in the form of a land, uh, a, a, a land flow with milk and honey, a land flow full of riches, um, and a very physical and tangible set of blessings that God lavished upon um, the Israelites. Now, there's spiritual blessing too. Um, that they, they, you know, are free to now worship the Lord their God. They're able to be His people, and they and God will be their God. Um, but so much of the blessing of, of mm. the old covenant is is very much tied up in the in the stuff of this world. Um, for the Christian, it's much greater. Um, the blessing that we've received is is something that the old covenant blessing only hints at, which is the every spiritual blessing in Christ, uh, which is the kind of the blessings of sins forgiven, the, the blessing of eternal life, the blessing of God's Holy Spirit dwelling with us, all the stuff of Ephesians 1, uh, redemption through his blood, all that kind of stuff. We, we still need to recognize that even our, our wealth and etc. come from the hand of the Lord, but there's a, a bigger and better blessing that the new covenant points us toward, which is in Christ. Um, mm. And so how do, we, how do we make sure we don't forget that? Well, that's the question. I think Colossians 3 is a really helpful place to go. Um, uh, at the end of Colossians chapter 3, there are verses worth just memorizing um, uh, where he says in 3.16, Let the word of Christ mm. dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father mm. through him. Mm. Um, I think those are verses just worth pondering and taking to heart. How do we let God's word dwell amongst us richly? The first thing that this passage says is um, uh, it's not an individualistic task primarily. It's actually a corporate task. It's it's the job of God's people, the church, to let the word dwell amongst us. So, Lachlan, I need to remind you of all of mm. God's benefits mm. to you. You need to remind me. We need to do that as we speak words, as we sing words, as we pray words, whatever we, however we use words. Um, we want to do it with gratitude in our hearts so that mm. we keep giving thanks uh, and doing whatever we do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, there's a lot you, you could unpack out of that. Um, and so I think the way that our services work, the way that our after church time works, the way that our growth groups look, the way that our catching up with Christian mates works, um, all this kind of stuff needs to be about reminding each other of all of God's benefits to it to us so that we can not forget them um, mm. because we, I think we are hardwired to forget and hardwired to just fall into a works righteousness or a, a I've made this myself mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, and I just need that constantly, um, that bubble to be popped by my brothers and sisters who remind me of all of God's blessings. Mm. Um, that being said, I don't think you can say, well, cause they didn't remind me, uh, therefore I've forgotten. <laughs> like I do think you need to take some responsibility um, and one little habit I've got, I stole, uh, like everything good that I've got, I, I stole. Um, 
uh, from J.I. Packer and his great book, Knowing God, um, his little chapter on adoption. Um, if, you, if you don't read any of that book, but that chapter, that's worth reading. Um, and he's got a little set of words, little form of words that he, he explains in this chapter that he actually says every morning to, so that he doesn't mm. forget his identity as a Christian um, because he's so prone to forgetting. So every day he gets up and he's got it. I think he said he had it stuck on his wall right next to his bed and he would get up and he would read the words. And let me see if I can get them right for you. Uh, He would say, uh, I'm a child of God. Uh, God is my father. Jesus is my brother. Every Christian is my brother and sister too. Um, uh, Heaven is my home. Oh, I feel like there's one more line in here. And then every day is one day nearer. Or something like that. There's one line okay. that I've forgotten in there. Um, but it just reminds him, just by saying those former words, um, that that's who he is. That's what God has done to him. God has let him be. God is his father. Jesus' his brother. All the Christians' brothers and sisters. Heaven's his home and every day mm. is one day nearer. Mm. That, gee, that helps to just set the, um, the framework for the day. Um, to remember who you are so you don't forget. Um, and uh, it's all too easy to forget. And it, whereas, if you start mm. your, your day with those kind of words, and I think he says he uses them as a form of prayer. God, thanks so much that heaven is my home. Yeah. And thanks so much that every day is one day nearer. Um, if you can pray and re- remind yourself of those truths um, on a daily basis, as well as having your brothers and sisters reminding you, I think that might be two good ways. There's plenty of other ways, but there's two yeah. two ideas from me as to how you can guard yourself against forgetting. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Sam. It strikes me as you say that, that, you know, just the the struggle it would be if you were only relying on Sunday church for Absolutely. that. Like yeah. If that's your one time a week that you're remembering in yep. a structured routine way, yeah, uh, that just might not be enough because you've got six days of the week where totally. it's easy to forget. That's like saying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have dinner on Sundays. Yeah. That's, and that's it. That's yeah. all I'm going to have. In, like you need more. You need to be yeah. fed. You need to be, um, yeah, you need other Christians speaking the word to you we need to do that daily um mm. hebrews hebrews has that language in hebrews chapter three um don't be hardened by seats sins deceitfulness but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today um yeah i think that's you think yeah. we just need a regularity um, that needs to be going on in your family that needs to be going mm. on in your mm. in your mates in your text messages in your growth groups you just you need others um but you also need yourself to yeah. to remember And hopefully this episode of The Extras has reminded you of God and His ways. And, you know, listening to this is a good thing as well. We hope it's a blessing for you, wherever you are, whatever you're up to. Thank you for your questions. Mm. That's us for today. Uh, This Sunday, we move on to Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9. Yeah. We've touched on a little little bit already, Sam. Do you want to give any more of a preview? Look, we get another angle at at what is to come. Uh, I feel like Ezekiel just gives us a bunch of the kind of, it's the same event looked at from a few different angles. This is a vision, another vision um, of uh, of the idolatry of, of God's people, Israel, and then God's coming judgment upon them. Um, and uh, look, it's it's stark and, and uh, awful once again, both stark in the horribleness of the idolatry and in the coming judgment. Um, but there, again, there's hope for those that God has mercy on. Mm. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Looking forward to it. Two weeks to go in Ezekiel and then uh, it'll be school holidays and we'll see what's coming next in the Word for us then. Yeah. But these last two weeks, I've been enjoying this series still. Uh, It's just good to be reminded that we live not with this world as kind of... This is the preview. Uh, This is the short bit before we get to eternity. And Ezekiel's Mm. reminding me of that, giving me a seriousness about Mm. this life. And I hope you're finding it a blessing as well. Mm -hmm.